Hello, and welcome to another episode of Goddess of Crypto. I am thrilled to have with me today my dear friend, Adrienne Ashley. She is the founder of Crypto Vixens, among many other things. And Adrienne and I have been in each other's worlds for a very long time. But now that she is officially here in Miami with me, I am super excited. Welcome, Adrienne. So happy to have you on the show. I am so happy to be here. And let me tell you, moving to Miami has been just a blessing. I have reconnected with all the most amazing people in my life, including you. And I'm super excited to be on your show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. The sacred divine feminine is creative, abundant, flowing, receiving, and disruptive. And the new energy of money, including cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, NFTs, and even the metaverse is all these things too. Welcome to the Goddess of Crypto, a weekly show where women who are already in this powerful space will cover these topics simply so you can relax into knowing that the future of finance is female. So when I first connected with you over Facebook, which I think was like 10 million years ago, 10 million years ago. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, 2007, eight, nine ish. Exactly. Ish. Neither of us had ever heard of crypto because it didn't exist. And yet here you are, you've built this crazy, vibrant community for women. Why don't you share with everybody like what that journey was like and what caused you to decide to do that? Sure. So I actually did get into Bitcoin in 2009. I didn't know what I had though. So I didn't understand the power and the impact. That didn't come around until about 2012 when I went, oh man, I I had 2,500 Bitcoin and I don't have that computer anymore. And even through hypnosis, I literally got the key. You know, you need two keys. You have a public key and a private key. I only had one key and whatever. I don't have 2,500 Bitcoin. So that was a disappointment. Heartbreaking, yes. It's heartbreaking. But throughout the whole thing, the biggest piece of it was the unfuckwithable ledger of what actually happened. And when I started to noodle on that, I started to think about, well, what can we do with that, right? What will that help with? Well, certainly will eliminate fraud or the better, if it doesn't eliminate it, it'll certainly prove it, right? This actually happened. So it kind of makes people behave better because everything's on the public ledger. You can just trace it and you can look at it. So I was always laughing at all those people that are like, Bitcoin's used by criminals and drug dealers. I'm like, well, that was kind of Silk Road, but that's not their highest and best interest to use something that's so easily trackable when they could just use Monero. So that always sounded like scare tactics and fear-mongering by the mainstream because they don't understand and they're afraid. Monero being a privacy coin, and sorry, I may stop you just to make sure that everybody who's listening understands. Okay, please continue. Yeah. No problem. It's a privacy coin. So the big thing for me was what in our world can be optimized, right? Like I remember when I moved to Reno and I started going to 1 million cups and they have startups by the Kauffman Foundation. It's like a meetup in the mornings in the second and third tier cities that don't have really large tech communities. And so I was in Reno, so we're a small offshoot the San Francisco Bay Area in a tax-free place, by the way. And so I heard this one pitch and it was really awesome because it was like the sensor technology using Raspberry Pi and Like with that, you could actually set up these smart contracts and kick things off. And it's like in a huge factory, the sensor would go, oh, this light bulb is out. 
check the inventory. Is the inventory, do we have a light bulb to replace it? No. Okay. Let's order the light bulb to replace it. Light bulb comes in, mail room checks in. Oh, now we have a light bulb. Let's kick off this, the, this, the, uh, the repair ticket. And then the worker goes out and repair, repairs it. And then the sensor goes, it's all done. And that's all done autonomously, right? Through smart contracts. And I was like, that's just filler, right? Like what else could we do to optimize things? Cause that's really where, where it works best, right? Autonomous behavior. And they're just like triggers, right? And people go, oh, smart contracts. I go, well, they're not exactly smart. They're not exactly contracts, but that's like the Ethereum model, right? Ethereum is smart contracts. Bitcoin is a store of value. There's different blockchains that do different things. We've talked about this before on the show, but I just want to make sure. So when we talk about a smart contract, I've actually had entire episodes that are just about like NFTs not being only JPEGs, but rather being smart contracts. So remember, this is a smart contract in the sense of you have a smart home, which is, you know, mostly run by the computer, right? So the smart contract is going to live on the blockchain and it's going to give you uh, protections and it's going to give you like the other features that a regular written contract can't and a store of value and vice versa. <laughs> a written contract can give you things smart contracts can't do. So lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. I would hope that a smart contract would be like a written contract plus plus. That's what I'm thinking about it when I say that. Got it. It's not. So basically I started writing my first smart contract design anyway, I designed my first NFT, if you would, to replace the bricks in front of a hospital for fundraising. And I called it Rhystone. And we had this thing called the donor gallery that was a WordPress plugin. But I would have had to have written it on Bitcoin, which was very difficult, very expensive, never got done. Then Ethereum came out, smart contracts came out. And now we can do it because we now have the ability through Chainlink, which is a protocol that allows you to take real world verified data and import it into your smart contract. So everything isn't hard coded. It's basically dynamically created, which is super cool. But I was doing a dating app. I was putting consent on the blockchain, right? And I met this amazing, fabulous woman named Lauren Slade at Collision and literally the smartest blockchain human I've ever met in my entire life. The way that she thinks about DAOs and decentralization and the power of blockchain to actually return the power to the people is freaking phenomenal. And so we basically co-founded the Crypto Vixens, which inspires women to join founding teams as advisors or co-founders, regardless of technical expertise. And this is what I want to get across to all of your viewers. Just because it's on blockchain doesn't mean it's scary. Just because it's on blockchain doesn't mean you have to know blockchain participate in a project or join a company. I tried to get a woman with 30 years experience, senior vice president, healthcare, into a healthcare company, just happened to be on the blockchain. And she kept focusing on that and going, I don't know blockchain. I'm not a tech person. you know. And I'm like, this is a healthcare company. This is solving problems in healthcare. You use email every day. You don't know how it works. It just works. That's the point. Don't be afraid of the technology. That's not your role. You're not taking a job as a CTO. There are people who can do that. The whole point is if you have an expertise in a particular vertical or in an industry, you need to contribute that because the internet was born by a bunch of guys in their underwear in basements and it was really smelly down there and I was the only girl and let's not repeat that. <laughs> How about that? I was there too. <laughs> yes. And way back in the day in the 90s, internet marketing was started and I had uh, one of the very first email accounts at the well in Sausalito, public email accounts. 
the well was pre-internet. The well was like from the 1950s and it was all like, you know, government and secret and nobody was on the well. So if you had a well account, especially one of the first public well accounts, yeah, you were like the earliest of the earliest adopters. And my hat is further off to you than it already (laughs) was. That's super, super impressive. All right, so keep going. Okay. I bought my first domain name in 1998, adrian.com, my name. Always by your name, by the way. Uh, you want to get your name and every single social media platform that comes out, go grab your handle. I missed a couple. I've been salty ever since this little Chiquita 12-year-old fashionista got it on Polyvore and I've never gotten it back. So I have it almost everywhere. And it makes me crazy when I don't have it. <laughs> so I even have an OnlyFans, but that's only so that the cam horror who keeps creeping up the Google rankings doesn't take it because I don't want that. So you were explaining about Crypto Vixens and why you started Crypto Vixens. Yes. Crypto Vixens. I want to get more women in. Oh, I was going back and telling you my first domain name, 1998. I was in internet marketing back then, but I had to be a boy. My name was David. I sold woodshed kit plans, architectural plans to build woodshed, to get shed kits out of wood in the backyard. Uh, My name was David. So I know all the internet marketers and I've known them for decades now. They didn't meet Adrian until like 2005, six, seven ish. Right. So now I'm going back and I'm like, Hey, you remember the David guy? And they're like, Oh yeah, whatever happened to him? I'm like, hi. (laughs) Mark Joyner's jaw just went. I'm so glad we don't have to hide behind pseudonyms anymore. I really am. I think that like JK Rowling, when she first came out with Harry Potter was told that Joanne was not wouldn't sell as many books as something that was potentially male. They actually encouraged her to go with a male name, but instead she picked JK as the... So, you know, I mean, I think it's sort of funny because J.R.R. Tolkien, same thing, but I think she kind of like picked up on that zeitgeist in more than one way. I just feel like women are now able to be at the forefront of all the things. One of the things that I've always admired about you is how absolutely out front in the world you are. Like you are the most unapologetic woman I think I have ever met in my life. For those of you that are just listening and are not seeing this, go to YouTube, subscribe on YouTube because Adrienne is so beautiful, but also she's so much of a larger than life personality. And I too fit that phrase, but you know, being that person, I really, when I see that in you, I have just admired it so much because again, you're so unapologetic and it's like, you know, you were talking earlier about Bitcoin being fuck with Unfuckwithable. And that's you right there. <laughs> Seriously, I may like make that the title of this episode because I feel like women are being constantly called to be less than they are, to be less than themselves, to be less for a man. There's a fun meme that's going around right now where a man is looking at a woman. And it's one of those things where it's like the, you know, the two pick the two faces are from like the 1950s, but the man is saying, you're a little much. And the woman is saying, go find somebody who's less than I am then. And I love that because I think that women are finally getting to the point where we can say we're us, like we're really showing up fully as ourselves. And if the guy doesn't like it or the whoever doesn't like it, then they're going to need to go find somebody who is less than they are. Yes. So here's where that goes. And and ladies, everybody watching, like 
stop what you're doing. I know you're all multitasking because we can and men can't. That's one of our superpowers. So just stop what else you're doing and listen to this, okay? You have inside you some gift. I can't tell you what it is. Well, I could if I met you, but you have a gift. That gift belongs to the world. You were actually given it to give it to the world. And what happens when you play small? It stays inside you. And when it stays inside you, all of those people who are supposed to experience it and benefit from it don't. So you're making the world a terrible place by playing small. We need to play full out. It is absolutely okay right now to be too much, to be fully out there, to go for it, to win, to be successful. And guess what? If they don't like it, they're not your people. That's all. That is all because you will find your tribe. I found Hallie. Seriously, I have a tribe of the most bad baller, unapologetic, phenomenal women in the entire world. Why? Because I go out and meet them. And then I give them all these little necklaces. So when you go around and you see a woman wearing one of these necklaces, you know she's one of mine. I give them out. The rules are don't give it to another woman. You can give it to a child. I'll give you another one. But don't give it to another woman. Only I give them to the women. That's how we find each other. All over the world at conferences. I gave a thousand out at Web Summit one year. Just a great way to network. And it's a DAO. It's a decentralized autonomous organization. It literally runs itself. So really, we are here to just inspire you, connect, open doors, and root you on. Because the whole thing is whatever it is you were meant to do, you have to do it. And you cannot let your man doesn't like it. I mean, I ended up getting divorced because my husband was very traditional and he wanted me to have a traditional job. And he was perfectly comfortable when I was a real estate broker. He was perfectly comfortable. Then I started writing a book. It was not quite so comfortable. Then I started doing the motivational speaking and I was on the motivational speaking tour for 10 years. He was definitely not comfortable with that. Then I was coaching. And when he married me, I was a movie producer, which was about the edge of his comfort level for because he knew what a movie producer did and he went to movies. So it made sense to him. But this whole blockchain thing and this whole entrepreneurial thing, and he just did not get it. And, you know, that led to he's a wonderful human. He's just not my human. So make sure that you surround yourself with amazing people who encourage you, inspire you, uplift you, and root you on because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So kind of, you know how you take a food diary? Like write down every day, like what you're doing and look at your calendar and who you're with and then do the math. That should pretty much calculate your success factor. Swap a few of those people out maybe. And, oh, here was my best part. Oh God, this is the best part. You can be mentored by people who don't know you. So way back when Twitter first started. So I met Tim Ferriss and we were at so many events together and we get along really well. And people kept asking if I was dating Tim Ferriss. I'm like, no, I'm not dating Tim Ferriss. If you go look at our pictures, it's like, nah, they're dating. It's like, no, I'm not dating Tim Ferriss. I love him. I adore him. And on Twitter, I used to be able to set the bell and have it send it to a text message, right? And every time I faced a challenge or whatever, all of a sudden my text message would go off and it was actually... A DM from Tim. It wasn't a DM from Tim. It was a DM from Twitter because Tim posted publicly. But what he posted literally would answer my question. I'm like, are we psychically connected or what? Right. And so that was motivation, right? You can have one of those iconic people that you look up to and you can set your technology to literally make it feel personal for you, to inspire you. So there's ways around it. And then years later, I was facing a challenge with my kid and he's on the shorter side because I'm a tiny human and I have really dominant genes. I could have probably had a baby with a black man and they'd still look like me. I mean, really super dominant genes. And so, you know, my husband was wanting to, you know, growth hormones or whatever. And so I literally texted Tim. I'm like, I'm challenged here. And he's like, well, does he have your personality? 
And I said, yeah. And he goes, then it'll be totally fine. Oh, that's so great. So sweet because I was really facing a challenge. Like I had to make a decision and, and just having him say, if he's got your personality, he's, he's just going to be fine. I was like, okay, good. Right. So you need to surround yourself with people that lift you up, that make you better and better yet be the stupidest person in the room. That is, those are my favorite rooms to be in. And I'm brilliant. And when I am literally like hanging on by my fingernails, it is the most exhilarating thing. And I don't like roller coasters, but I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I've had several women who will be the guests. Their episodes will have aired by the time yours does. But several women in a row who've come on who have said to me, I'm not an expert. I learned what I learned off of YouTube. And I'm like, well, it's not like you can get a four-year degree yet in blockchain and crypto. And if you can, it's like from one place. And of course not. Everybody learned everything that from other people, from YouTube, from reading the books. You're self-educated if you're in this space. And what I really encourage everybody to do, and you know, for sure, like become a crypto vixen. Like I love what Adrian is doing if you're called to do that. But if you're more of like an armchair investor, if you're more of somebody who wants to get just the littlest bit of education, well, you know, listen to this podcast and which will grow the information that you get, but it also grows your exposure to the idea that it's safe for you to learn. It's safe for you to enjoy yourself in the process. It's safe for you to have a good time while you're investing. You know, you told that story about losing 2,500 Bitcoin. I was with this incredibly high-powered, amazing woman yesterday who had a very similar story. She was doing Bitcoin back in the aught, and she said, you just spent it like currency. Like you didn't think of it as something that you were trying to hold. She's like, I knew to hodl, but I didn't think about it because I was busy paying my bills with it. I have heard that story over and over and over again. You know, there's that famous uh, Bitcoin pizza story, which is 14,000. And they say that neither, I got this information the day that I met you in person at that expo, I found out that neither of the two guys who did that transaction own any Bitcoin today. And the reason I'm sharing this is that I think it's so important. So many of the people who were there didn't end up with any Bitcoin significantly or any ETH significantly. I have members in my family who were involved with Ether when it was like the numbers that are SHIB right now, where it's like 0. 0.000000. Like there was a time that ETH was like that as well. And a member of my family had a bunch. And when it hit a certain amount, he sold it, of course, thinking, well, it's not going to go any higher. I think it was maybe like, I don't know, a dollar, five dollars, something, whatever. So he would have been rich today if he had just held on to that. But we don't think like that. You can't see the future. So if you've made some kind of a financial mistake like that, your choice is either go hide your head under the covers forever, or I think this is the theme of our thing, become unfuckable and trust that you're still you and that if you made it once, you could make it again. Right. I think that's so powerful for us just to acknowledge that as women, we have the right to say we're learning, we're experiencing, we're growing. This is new. I did it wrong. I'll do it right next time. I mean, Adrian, you've been in business for, you know, probably the three plus decades that I have. And how many mistakes have we made between the two of us? Like hundreds, probably. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Thousands. Thousands. At some point. 
thousands, a big little, you know, small, the entire gamut, right? From minor to, to major. But one of the things that you brought up ETH, so I really was salty about ETH early on. And Lauren used to, my co-founder in Crypto Vixens used to mine it. And she kept trying to get me in it. And I'd open in my Ether wallet and I'd put 60 bucks in back when it was sub $1. And I'd put 60 bucks in and uh, it, I think it was like 60 cents. So I'd buy a hundred or whatever. And then I'd go back in to try and find it. And it would make me open a new wallet because I never stored my keys. So if you DM me on Instagram, A-D-R-Y-E-N-N, DM me the word wallet, you will get my crypto security wallet worksheet. So you will not lose those because I have bought thousands of ETH, thousands, and in multiple wallets. Now, this time I was smart. So last time I actually gave away the computer that I downloaded the Bitcoin on because this was on a terminal window. This was not a wallet. This was a terminal window on a Mac. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was being talked through it and things were happening and then things happened. It's on the internet. When you say terminal window, it's not on the computer itself or it's on the computer itself when you say terminal window. So a terminal window is like old school DOS. Oh, like the DOS of the computer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. So the core base level of storing on the computer. Got it, got it. Recoding the computer. Got it. Okay. That is what I was doing to get the Bitcoin, right? So that computer I donated to a nonprofit because it also had all my final cut and everything else. And I was doing movies and I was teaching, you know, I was giving it to kids to learn how to program. I can't find the nonprofit the guy or the computer. I'm like, maybe I could resurrect it if they haven't wiped it, right? So the computer that I had, that I opened all those my Ether wallets on, I have it. I have it. I haven't touched it. I haven't wiped it. I haven't nothinged it. And at some point, somebody's going to be able to go back, hopefully in the history, and dig up all of those. When I opened those wallets, hopefully there's some shard of remnant of public and private keys that we can resurrect. But I don't know but I did not get rid of the hardware. <laughs> I have just the guy for you, actually. I'll send him a message and see if this is something he wants to take on, but he is a, what's known as a white hat. He was black hat. That means people who are, you know, like dealing with the dark web stuff to white hat. He decided to help people and do like all of his stuff, open source and such, but he's brilliant and he's really good at stuff like that. So I suggest that I will hook you up with him if he is interested in taking that on. That is super fun. One more thing. I used to break into banks for a living. So when the internet was born, I was on it. I wrote HTML for a law library before the internet was born to replace the paper swapping out the pages in the law library for their subscriptions to CDs. So I was writing HTML for the CDs. So then on top of that, I used to break into banks for a living when online banking first started. My job was to steal all the money. So I did penetration tests and security testing, and I could always steal it all. So they'd come in and they'd be like, it's perfect. I'm like, mm, give me five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so I'm really, really good. But I mean, I've got a DEF CON hacker I have access to. I just got to like get in the same room with them and go, dude, find it. Because that is like 10 my. So that's why I was like, I just don't like ETH. I don't like ETH. I like Bitcoin because I have my Trezor. I've got my hardware wallet. Like I love my hardware wallets. I can just hodl, hodl, hodl. I literally don't even have physical access to it. So I just send there, send it there. And then I can't spend it. That's my solution, right? People, if you have a problem and it's like you have a, the light bill and the light bill needs to get paid and it's a $300 electricity bill or it's going to get shut off and you decide I'm going to use my BitPay debit card, send my Bitcoin to BitPay, change it into debit, 
you know, in the fiat and then pay my light bill with it. You just get a hardware wallet, you send everything to it and you have it in like the safety deposit box in not your city. So you have to go physically get it if you want to spend it. That's the only way to hodl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. So I always ask at the end of the episode, what's one more thing that you want our women listeners to know? One more thing. I've been trying to get more women into blockchain and this is really a very selfish reason, right? When you have more women involved, when you have diversity and leadership, uh, you get better products that are better for the world. So I am definitely a uh, Mother Teresa type. So I have lots of save the world things. I want to clean the water in Flint, Michigan. I mean, I have a whole laundry list of stuff I want to get done. I cannot do it alone. So we need to get more women involved. But when you're talking about like crypto and tokenomics and this and that, and your eyes roll in the back of the head, every time you see a candlestick chart and they talk technical analysis, that is probably why so many women are like, yeah, blockchain is not for me. NFTs are different. NFTs are about building community, but the underlying technology is blockchain. But the best part about it is it really can be anything you can imagine you can incorporate into it. Land titles are going to be on the blockchain. They already are in Wyoming. Marriage licenses are already on the blockchain in the state of Nevada. Like we're starting to see it get into like the most bureaucratic governmental system. So it is coming. It is the future. You just have to decide how steep do you want your learning curve, right? You get in now, you have a nice, easy on-ramp. You get in when it is the thing and there's no other choice. When everybody gets in, yeah. Then it's a hockey stick. You don't want to do that. So start figuring out how you want to play right? And what are you? You talked about investors earlier. And investors, you know, I ran 10-day crypto rooms to onboard people and teach them how to get into crypto. And my number one thing is you should not be investing in crypto until you know two things. There is a due diligence process for you to look at these projects and make sure they're actually not going to rug pull, make sure the tokenomics work. It's not a Ponzi-nomics. But the number one thing that everybody can do today, everybody, who are you as an investor? How do you deal with risk? Why are you investing? Are you investing to do good or are you investing to make fast money? Are you investing over the long haul? Like you have all these questions to ask yourself. And then you can go to crypto.com, download that app, take $25 and start to hear these conversations that are in Clubhouse. There's a bunch of the Myran 10 day rooms in there and pick a few things that are inexpensive, right? And then you buy those things, like 10 different types of tokens, spend 25, 50 bucks. I call it Vegas money. And whatever your number is, slight tangent, your number for Vegas money is you've had a fabulous weekend in Vegas, fabulous, ex exceptional time, concerts and dancing and restaurants and friends and pool time. And it's just amazing. You are just filled with happiness. And the, you called the Uber, you've checked out, you've got your bag, you're walking through the casino floor, you see the craps table. One last bet, win or lose, you still had a great time. What's that number for you? So I'm 20 bucks. I don't gamble. I'm 20 bucks, right? I'm a builder, not a trader. So 20 bucks for me. So I would take 20 bucks in crypto.com, spread it out over a bunch of tokens. And then you have to live with that and see how you handle the ups and the downs because it is volatile. It's so volatile. So if you see it go up to 2000, right? You put in a hundred bucks, you see it go up to 2000. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then it goes down to 500. Well, you're still in the positive, but it's all red you got to see how you feel, right? So this is all these people who made Lambo money, right? They bought Bitcoin at 100. It goes up to 68,000. It goes down to 20,000. And they're like, oh my God, I'm broke. No, you're not. You bought it at 100. Like you have to figure out how that works in your head and what are those stories. And that's why 
probably somebody you need to, you really need to work with because that wealth mindset, you got to get that dialed in because it is a rodeo ride in crypto. If you're an investor, if you're a builder, the tech changes every single day. Every day there is something new. Every day there's a better way to do what you were already working on. You spent six months on, are you going to rebuild it? So these are the kinds of things because it's so fast moving that you really got to get a handle on and start to work through. And there's no reason to dive in like right now and start assessing how you react and who you are and where you fit in the equation. Because that's something you're going to have to do anyway. And it costs nothing. Mm, Wow, that was just amazing. I have multiple episodes about the mindset of investing that are, you can listen to past episodes of this because I think that's like, that's so, so important. And again, it helps you become unfuckwithable. I'm serious. We're working that into the title for sure. Adrian, thank you so much for being here today. I so appreciate you and our friendship and you coming and sharing your valuable expertise with our listeners and our viewers. If you enjoyed this episode of Goddess of Crypto, please like it, comment on it, review it, and share it with your friends. I want all of the women in your life to know about it so that they can get involved with the future of money. I will see you next time. Every week, transformational wealth coach Hallie Evelyn leads a conversation that helps to ensure that women everywhere can learn to surf the coming tsunami of the new energy of money. You can find her at goddessofcrypto.me. That's goddessofcrypto.me. Be sure to subscribe to Goddess of Crypto on your favorite platform or watch the show on YouTube. And remember, wealth isn't just your privilege, it's your right.